can't even see myself. Like, I don't even know if I look alright. You don't need to see yourself. <laughs> as long as the people can see you. Um, Ernie Isley. Ronald Isley checking in. Alright. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Music Maniacs with Sight After Dark. We're Sight After Dark, and we are Music Maniacs. We are. This episode, we are talking about one of the greatest bands in American history. Uh-huh. Pop, soul, funk, and rock. And before we even say who it is, I have a quote All right. that I wrote down. This was on their website. This was on their website. When you went to their biography, this was the first thing they had before even a picture or anything else. This was the quote that they had. So I'm going to read it, and I'm going to dramatize it for, you know, uh, dramatic effect. But dramatize, you know, you know how it goes. Okay. There is only one band one. in the history of American music that had a proven influence on the Beatles, Beatles and the rapper Ice Cube, Cube and had a hit in six straight decades. One, two, three, four, five, six. Count them. From the 1950s to the 2000s. That band is the mighty Isley Brothers. One of the most influential bands in American history. This is all very, very true. And today we are talking about the Isley Brothers and all of their glory. And if you're wondering, if you don't know us, if you're wondering why you should listen to us talk about music. Why? We are a band in Brooklyn, New York. We are. We live in the city. We make music. We play shows all over New York. We just finished our second off-Broadway show. And we like to think that we know a little bit about music. We've been studying it for many years. We've been playing it for many years. And we just love talking about music. Mm -hmm. We used to talk about music all the time. But it's between us, and then we decided, basically, let's record it and make it a podcast. Oh, yeah. So, welcome. Also, I have to call ourselves out before we start. Why? This is the second time that we had to record this podcast, because <laughs> we did this whole thing one time and then realized that there, there was no audio. Uh-huh. Um, so, luckily for you guys, we have audio on this one. Definitely. So, hopefully, uh, you enjoy it. Yeah. And away we go. All right, so we are talking about the legendary Isley Brothers. Let's do it. And this story starts in a state of Ohio mm-hmm. in a city called Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio, with six brothers. Six brothers. Uh, they were born to parents O'Kelly Isley and Sally Isley. Yeah. And, okay, so I wrote all all the names and the years that yeah. they, were, they were born. A mom and dad, well, dad was a vaudeville player and also a Navy officer. Yeah, but that's where they kind of get their entertainment chops from. Dad was a vaudeville player, and mom was more interested in gearing them into singing. So she was like their manager. Right. Um, so O'Kelly Senior and Sally had a number of kids uh, that ended up creating the Isley Brothers. Uh huh. Although they weren't originally called the Isley Brothers, they were called the Isley Boys, which is so funny. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a gang in a way. Yeah, right? you better watch out; those Isley Boys are coming through. But they were coming through with vocals, okay, not with chains. Sweet vocals. <laughs> hey, you better be in before sundown because I heard those Isley Boys are out tonight. <laughs> you, you better watch out. You don't want them to hypnotize you with their beautiful <laughs> lyrics, okay? With, with their beautiful harmonies. <laughs> But um, okay, so so first it was O'Kelly Jr. Yes, he was born in 1937. Uh huh. Followed by Rudolph mm-hmm. in 1939. Yes. Followed by Ronald. Ron. In 1941. Hi. He came out when he was born. It was like hi. hi. Yeah. He was like hi, world. <laughs> I'm here. 
Um, then we had Vernon in 1942. Uh-huh. And then skip forward 10 years, we have Ernie yeah. in 1952 yeah. and then Marvin in 1953. Oh, yeah. So they all started by singing in the church. Yeah, all church songs, all gospel songs. Their mom wanted to, them to be like the doo-wop and gospel singers of that day. They had a yeah. bunch of popular ones and they were totally emulating those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they kept church in it and they were getting pretty big and pretty well known. Those Isley boys were getting popular. Those, you know, those Isley boys. Uh-huh. So, uh, so we should say that, so the original incarnation was the four oldest yes o'kelly jr rudolph ronald and vernon correct ernie had not come in shredding guitar yet no that'll mm-hmm. come up later that's mm-hmm. a that's a teaser so <laughs> stick around for the whole thing if you want to hear more about ernie um but yeah so they started around you know playing various churches in the area yeah and getting bigger and bigger um but the good times were not so much to last at the beginning yeah. Because there was a little bit of tragedy at the beginning. There was some tragedy. Well, they, I mean, they got popular and they won a talent contest. So they won yes. a watch and then that, that got them like more notoriety. But then they did have a yes. big tragedy. They won a watch between the four of them. <laughs> they had to share it on hot nights with <laughs> hot to, dates. I like to imagine they had a calendar, right? <laughs> and everybody had their name in in their time. And somebody was like, wait a minute. I need the watch tonight. No, you watch. You got it on Wednesdays. <laughs> And I'm going out with my girl tonight, Saturday, so I get to watch. Damn it. Um, which which brother Fine, Rudolph. was the cool cool brother that didn't need the watch? I don't want that watch. I just know I want it. I'm just kidding. I'm just making up stuff. In I'm going to go with O'Kelly Jr. O'Kelly Jr. Just was the he's coolest. The oldest. He's just yeah. like, ah, whatever. Y'all do what you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then whenever you want, you can just take it. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, yeah, so... You know, they were, you know, they were playing various churches. They won a talent show to won a fantastic watch. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, uh, Vernon did not make it too far with this group because he was killed in a hit and run accident. Yeah. Car accident while he was on his bike. Yeah, he was riding his bike in a neighborhood and somebody did a wild turn. I mean, you know how it is. happens. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't normally hit kids when I'm turning corners, but... Not usually. Some people do. Sometimes. Sometimes, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that happened in 1955. So he... Vernon only lived to be age 13. Yeah, which was really sad. And this devastated the boys. Like, they stopped singing. They didn't want to do it. They stopped singing for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah, like two, three years, they just like didn't, were like, okay, we need a break from this. Because yeah. obviously that's a very traumatic thing. Like, right. Not only are you losing a bandmate, you're losing your brother. A sibling, so, yeah, exactly. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And we should also say that Vernon was the lead singer. Because yes. he was known to have the sweetest voice. Right. So that means like Ron's voice was not even the sweetest voice in the band, which is like, yeah, that's how? Crazy. How is that even possible? Ronald took over after when they started making music again. But it's crazy because, you know, the Isley brothers that we think of, like all of their big songs, yeah. Ronald is singing lead. He's singing lead. And he's an amazing singer. And, yes. you know, we'll talk more about him later. Yeah. But it's just crazy to me that he wasn't even the best singer <laughs> in the eyes. I would have loved to hear Vernon's voice. That would have been great. There's got to be some recording of it somewhere. Possibly. I mean, possibly not. I mean, back in the day, it's not like it wasn't so easy to just get a recording. It's true. You know what I mean? It was a lot harder. It was probably a lot more expensive, too. I'm going to say there is. And somewhere. I'm going to pay top dollar for it. Just Who's kidding. holding out on us? Someone has the Vernon Isley lost tape. It's on eBay. It's, <laughs> there's one tape in the whole world. But yeah, so they took a couple years off after after Vernon passed. Yeah. 
and Ronald took his place as the lead singer. Yes, and they start changing their music style now. So they're no longer singing gospel songs and church music. They actually changed to more secular music once they did the change, which is, um, I don't know, maybe some type of uh, therapy, you know, because maybe singing the gospel music will probably put you back in the space with Vernon as the lead singer mentally. Right, probably right. might be hard. And it would probably be easier to transition to a newer form of music where you can just, quote unquote, start fresh. Right. That's mm-hmm. yeah. That's an interesting point. Kind of leave that. You know, leave it in the past. You yeah. know, try to move on as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um. So they reformed and they did move to New York City. Yep. Yep. The Isley Boys came over. The Isley Boys came over to the big city. They called me the first time they got here. As soon as they got here. Yeah. What mm-hmm. they say? What's up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> so they came over over here to the city in yeah. 1957, and they were pretty much at this point they were like doo-wop. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. More traditional doo-wop. Yeah. Which makes sense because they have so many good singers and they have their harmonies are so great. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, you know, I feel like family members tend to have really good harmonies. Yeah. Because they're always with each other. They always have time to practice with each other. And a lot of the time, their voices just naturally kind of blend with each other sync a little better. Into, yeah, because you know? they are in sync. Exactly. You know, uh, exactly. As a family. Well, um, at this point, this uh, doo-wop song that they had, uh, that it was a single, and it did pretty well, and they were signed to RCA. I just want to interject here and say that the Isleys may hold the record for signing with the most record labels in the entertainment industry. Okay, so let's have a counter. Okay, or a drinking game. Let's have a counter or a drinking game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you're... <laughs> so first, this is the first label, right? RCA, number RCA. one. So from now on, every time we say a record label, you need to take a shot. <laughs> Or if you don't drink, then, I don't know, take a shot of apple juice or something. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so they signed to RCA. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't. They had moderate success. You know, they're still playing shows. They're still touring. Um, but the song that really was big around this time, that they ended up coming up. So it's a song called Shout. You know you make me wanna shout. Kick my heels up and shout. Yes. Okay. Which is a very famous song. Huge song. Huge song. Uh, Back in these days, they wanted to emulate more like Jackie Wilson. So mm-hmm. that's the style. And when you listen to Shout, if you do know Jackie Wilson's style of singing, Shout does have a Jackie Wilson-ness to it. Yeah, but they well, were singing a Jackie Wilson song at a live performance. Yes. And at the end of that performance, Ron is just like, you know, very hyped up by the crowd. And he's just like, you know, you make me want to shout. He's like, kick my hands up and shout. Put my heels. And know. the crowd goes wild. Exactly. The, start, the crowd starts to say shout with him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just becomes a song that's where yeah. the song was birthed at their performance yes they were originally singing what was it, it was lonely teardrops by yeah. jackie wilson my heart is crying crying lonely teardrops. yeah they were in the middle of the cover yeah when ron hits him with the you, you know, know you make, make me wanna shout yeah, yeah, yeah so that's just great and then i guess i don't know the exact story of um whoever saw that and was maybe it was them that was like oh that was great we mm-hmm. should turn this into a song or maybe they had you know somebody in their their entourage, like a kind of a producer or something, who was like, whoa, guys, this, you see what just happened there? Yeah. We got to do something with that. Correct. Yeah, you it know? could have been just them. I mean, by this time, you know, I, I would say they were definitely professional musicians. Mm-hmm. So it could have been just them, you know? Yeah. Um, so basically, that's how the, the genesis of that song came about, which mm-hmm. is crazy mm-hmm. because that ends up being such a big song, not even necessarily for their performance, but just like the song itself. Yeah. Because it, the song was covered by so many people. Yeah. And the song it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on, really. Oh, yeah. Initially, it sold more than a million records. It actually sold. It actually went platinum 
Um, but they were awarded a gold disc back in the day for when your record went platinum, um, which is interesting. Where's my platinum? Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Reparations for the Isleys, okay? They, yes. they didn't make enough. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, Shout was like, I guess, really one of their first hits. Yeah, so yeah, so that was a single, and then they decided to make an album, but this mm-hmm. album did not chart, okay? It didn't really, really do well. So down the line, you know, it's 1961, and the Isley Brothers are now signed to Scepter Records. That's two. <laughs> I'm counting two now. Yes. All right, so then Scepter Records, they're, uh, they bring out the song Twist and Shout. Twist! They're like, let's uh, let's keep this shout train going. Yeah, shout did really well for us. What's better than shout? Maybe twist. a little twist. Maybe Throwing a little, a little twist. twist to the shout. You know what I mean? But this is the thing. It's you know, it's really interesting because again, this is a song that it it was successful for them. Yeah. But it ended up getting bigger down the line as more people covered it. Yeah. And I think this is a really interesting thing about like this era in music. I feel like at this point. The song is really more the currency than the actual performer. Yes. Because I, I feel so like too. covers of songs were so much more popular. Like mm-hmm. where there's so many songs where I don't even know with who the original person was because it's been covered it's by so many different people. Well, yeah. And well. at this point, but I'm saying at this point, I feel like it wasn't as, there wasn't as much of an emphasis on people writing their own songs. No, not you know? at all. And I mean, I didn't even know the Isley Brothers sang Twist and Shout mm-hmm. when I was little. I mean, I knew them from all their R&B hits yeah. from like my birth until later. But Twist and Shout goes to number 17 on the Hot 100, and it also goes to number two on the R&B charts. And this is Billboard. Um, so this song was really soaring up, so we can understand why it's making so many um, covers come out. Like Yes. You know? um, the most famous cover <laughs> would be by this little underground, very little-known band called The Beatles. Twist and Shout, Twist and Shout. And that's how I know of a song. And I know of a song by the Beatles version being sung in Ferris Bueller. That's <laughs> Ferris exactly how off. I found it out. I mean, that movie used to come on all the time when we yeah. were little. I was very little when I first saw that movie. And that was the time I first heard that song. And I thought it was their song. I never knew the Isley Brothers saw it, sang it. My stepfather had a CD mm-hmm. of the Isley Brothers' oldest hits. And I found out at like 17 and 19 when I pulled out the CD and I saw yeah. the Isley Brothers sing like, Twisted. Shout. I was like, this how this happened? <laughs> Yeah, but this does, this makes me think of another quote that I saw from the Isley's official website. So I'm going to read this quote, and then you guys guess if you can figure out who it was, okay? So, you know, we were talking about how the Beatles covered that song and it became huge. Yeah. And a quote on their website is this. If it were not for the Isley Brothers, the Beatles would still be in Liverpool. Can anybody guess? Anybody want to take a guess as to who said Anyone? that? Bueller. Anyone? Bueller. 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 <laughs> it was Paul. It was Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Yes. So I don't know if you knew this, but the Beatles are a pretty big deal. Yeah. So for them to be saying like to them, it's like we would be nothing without the Isley Brothers. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Yeah. And it was really a great time of crossover because the Isley Brothers were heading into England to like record music and to tour and mm-hmm. stuff as the Beatles were coming over here. And they actually saw each other in an elevator. And Paul did ask Ron, first of all, they couldn't believe they met him, but Paul asked if it was okay that the Beatles were covering that music, and of course, Ron was just like, well, yeah, well, of course. Well, of course. I mean, there's still the songwriters. They're still making money off that. <laughs> Cha-ching! At the end of Twisted Shout, it doesn't say McCartney-Lennon. It says Isley. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they're they're fine with it. Yeah. And really, that all it does is really raise their profile, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 
So time is going and, you know, the Isley brothers are starting to create their own sound. You know, they, they feel like they have like they've got enough notoriety. The Beatles know who they are. Mm-hmm. Time to start creating your own sound and, and maybe time to start making your own record label. That's three. That's three <laughs> record labels. So in 1964, they moved to Teaneck, New Jersey, and they make Teaneck Records, their first record label. Yes, they started the record label, which is great because, like I was saying, so, you know, a lot of people at this time, you know, there's a separation between the singers, the performers, the songwriters. Yeah. But with the Isleys, it's all, it's all in-house. Yeah. You know, they could perform it. They can write the songs. They can sing the songs. They can sing the songs. They also, at this time, while they were living in Teaneck, New Jersey, recruited a kind of not really well-known guitarist by the name of Jimi Hendrix. Yes. I've never heard of him, but, you know, I'm just going to put his name in there for historical purposes. So he was going by the name (laughs) Jimmy James Mm -hmm. at the time um, until I guess somebody said, hey, you know, your real name is actually way cooler. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, okay. But they they picked him up as a lead guitarist. Yeah. And, you know, it's really crazy just hearing that right now. This this, this is, again, showing the the immense influence that the Isleys have. Yeah. That what is considered to be the most influential electric guitarist ever really came up with them. You know, they took them in. They he toured with them. He recorded with them. Um, I think the most famous recording he did with them is a song called Testify. Yeah, that song Testify sounds like Jimmy's new sound. You yes. know, a lot of the songs that they made together didn't really do well. They didn't really chart. And um, Testify was the biggest one. Um, but they felt like Jimmy wasn't much of a singer, you mm-hmm. know, which sometimes, you know, you can hear. He has a very bluesy voice and is kind of talky. So, you know, Jimmy didn't get to do a lot of lead singing on right. the Isley Brothers records. Right. The, he, wa- exa- he was hired to play guitar. He wasn't hired to sing. I don't know right. if you guys do this. The Isleys kind of got the vocals handled by themselves. <laughs> they really need to add other singers. Um, but no, it is it is crazy. I mean, the Is- they literally, Jimmy was living with them, right? He was living with yeah. them. He was sitting on their couch. He was uh, basically an, a new brother. They came in eating their mom's home-cooked food. And they actually all watched the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show together mm-hmm. with Jimmy sitting on the couch, with Ron there, and also with Ernie there. And uh, they were kind of... A little bit um shaken by the popularity that the Beatles got on screen on TV singing right. Twist and Shout and stuff but the Isleys felt like they were okay because you know right. they were the writers of these songs they felt like the Beatles were definitely coming to take over the sound but they were the writers of these songs that the Beatles were covering they were like we're okay not only do we write the songs but we've got Jimmy yeah you know we've and- got a little <laughs> a little guitarist in our back pocket that might be a little kind of good <laughs> they said Jimmy grinned from ear to ear when they said that so Jimmy was with them for a while but then he obviously went on and did his own thing but but at the time, there was a little guitarist training underneath him, which was Ernie, but we'll get back to Ernie. Yeah, and you know, when you think about Jimmy, it's like, I feel like he, he his destiny was always that he was going to do his own thing. He oh, clearly yeah. have his own thing going on. Yeah. And you know, he had his own style and like, you know, visual style and guitar style that yeah. might not necessarily have been exactly what the Isleys were doing at the time. Yeah. He needed to kind of be free to kind of push his own boundaries and everything. Yeah. 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 It, it, it was visually and physically, I would say style wise. <laughs> Let's shout out some Isley's style. Yeah. Jimmy and the Isleys definitely have the style down pat. Okay. We are cosplaying. I am Ernie today. <laughs> oh, this is just how I dress normally. I don't 
I didn't do this for the podcast. <laughs> well, they have got styled down on our unrecorded podcast. I was like, I swear I saw a Technicolor dream coat. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll possibly put up some images. Um, so definitely check this out on YouTube if you uh-huh. can. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you're listening on audio, that's cool, too. And uh-huh. we still appreciate you. Um, so going forward, they signed... To another record label. What's that for now? <laughs> it's time. Yep. It's 1968. Time so for if you're playing the game, you might have a little buzz going by now uh-huh. for, for drinks. Um, so they signed to Tamla Records, which uh-huh. is a subsidiary of Motown Records. Yes. So right off the bat, you know, to me hearing this, it that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, because they've got their own thing going. So not to go into a whole side tangent about Motown, but Motown was obviously huge at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that they thought, you know, maybe attaching themselves to this huge successful label might boost up their own popularity. Because, again, at the time, they are getting more of like a cult following Mm -hmm. and like, you know, people that love music, you know, people like the Beatles really love them and really know who they are. Mm -hmm. But they weren't necessarily huge all over the place megastar or anything like that. Megastars. Right. Um, So I think they signed to Motown thinking it would boost their profile. But the thing is, the way that Motown worked was not the way that the Isleys worked. Yeah, no. It's like a a chain line. Motown, you know, and it's we'll like a factory. we'll definitely do a standalone Motown podcast soon, but they had it, you know, they had it as an assembly line. They yeah. had this these are the songwriters, these are the instrumentalists, these are performers, and it's literally just going through a line, like just churning out songs. Like it's a, you know, it's a, it's basically an industrial machine uh-huh. of just churning out songs. And not only does it make it easier to make songs, but only you only have to deal with this, you only have to deal with this. But I feel like as a power structure, um, the CEO of Motown Records, <laughs> Barry, Barry Gordy, Gordy <laughs> probably wanted to keep people separate like that because it would keep them from more or less unionizing and realizing their own power. You got to break down that Tower of Babel. You got to keep them separate. They you can't know what I mean? be building the tower up to the top. But this is why <laughs> I think that the Isleys just didn't fit with this at all. Because yeah. we were saying before, the Isleys, were, they didn't need songwriters. They didn't need singers. They didn't need instrumentalists. They had yeah. all of this. They just needed to really be more confident in their own thing and just right. double down on their own thing because right. it's like just the, the the mind space to make your own record label mm-hmm. t- should tell you that you're a leader already yeah they're already leaders in the business sense and in the musical sense yeah, yeah. so you know again they're a self-contained machine they can write the songs they can sing the songs they can perform the songs mm-hmm. so it really is kind of the antithesis of what Motown was at the time to yeah. be honest so they put out two studio albums with Motown that didn't go anywhere but as they're getting towards the end of their tenure with Motown Ronald has an idea for a song and he's just like, you know what though? He's like, I want to take this home and put it on our record label. Mm. All right. And this song is This Old Heart of Mine. This old heart of mine been broke a thousand times. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. It does have a Motownish sound to it. So Very much so. You can't say that Motown did not influence them somehow into making that song. But Ron wanted it on Teaneck Records, on his own record label. They asked for uh, severance from Motown, and Barry said, hey, man, go your own way. It's all right. I guess, you know, maybe Barry made his money already <laughs> off of those two studio albums that didn't go anywhere. Or he wasn't making enough money. Yeah. So, so he didn't really care. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. So he went, and um, he went like, you know, you guys can go. So they go, and then they make this old heart of mine. And this old heart of mine is a banger. It is. Okay? It goes right up the charts. Um, I believe it was five times platinum, this one. And uh, <laughs> Barry Gordy's like, what? He's like, wait, wait. Remember that? Remember when I told you you could leave? Well, I didn't say you couldn't 
just make songs without paying me. <laughs> There's no Isley Brothers without me, Barry Gordy. <laughs> exactly. So, so uh, Barry tried to sue the Isley Brothers and get some money out of that whole heart of his. And uh, <laughs> so that was a bit of a stretch. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, he lost. He lost the lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, Isley Brothers kept all their money, and this old heart of mine remained in Ronald's chest. That's right. Um, so, you know, the song actually did better in England at first than it did in America. Interesting. And they decided, shit, let's move over there. Let's yeah. let's try a look over there. You know, we've tried five, four, five <laughs> different labels at this point. <laughs> we started in Cincinnati. We yeah. went to New York. We're doing well over there. The Beatles like us. Uh-huh. Let's go move over to the UK. Um, so they were actually, they lived over there for two years. Yeah. You know, um, but they did eventually come back. You know, they're out of... They're out of Motown. They're out of Tamla. We and they're... always miss America. Yeah. Like, we we can only be over here. These accents are pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, you know, they redo uh, Teaneck records, like we were saying. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like they've really... Now I feel like this is when they really start hitting their stride. Yeah. And um, the, the kind of feel of the day, getting into the late 60s, early 70s, was kind of like a do-what-you-want, do-what-you-will mm-hmm. kind of vibe. So they came out with a song called It's Your Thing in 1968. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. On T-Neck Records. And that was Ernie Isley's debut on bass. Yes, and it went to number two oh. on the chart. So that's mm-hmm. pretty big. That's oh. pretty good deal. I mean, there's literally only one place you can go from there up. Yeah. So that's what you want pretty good. I um, like this song because Salt and Pepper made a remake of this song called uh, Shake Your Thing. Ah. Back in the 80s, and that was one of the greatest videos. Greatest girl rap videos ever, I would say. Yeah. And we should say, so around this time, there's new members to the band, right? Uh-huh. Ernie. So... Yes, so Ernie being the you know one of the main ones, uh-huh. um, because remember Ernie and Marvin were bo- were born ten years after. Yeah, you know there was a ten year break in yeah. the birth of the Isley Brothers, so mm. they were way younger when the the original band was kind of coming up. Right, but now they're they're older, they're more mature, they know how to play their instruments, and you know. We'll talk more about Ernie, but he really knows how to play his instrument, <laughs> yes, he which does. is the guitar. Yes, um, so Ernie and Marvin joined the band. Also, Chris Jasper, mm-hmm. who was Rudolph's brother-in-law. And yes. the Jasper family actually grew up in the same building yeah. as the Isleys back in Cincinnati. So Correct. they were like real tight. Yeah. And then also Everett Collins joined the band um, as part of the backing band as well. And it's really interesting because here's the thing. you know, Now that Ernie's in the band, here's something that you guys should know about Ernie Isley. Ernie shreds a guitar. He (laughs) really does. does. So it's like you have this coming into the band. You have these new people coming to the band. And obviously the sound is going to change. It's going to evolve. And you can really tell after this era that they're they're really hitting their stride. I mean, they're really doing their thing. That It's Our Thing album goes to number one. And and It's Our Thing goes to number one and two on the charts. They're selling out Yankee Stadium. I mean, more than the Yankees. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Imagine. That's a good line. I think Yankees are doing really well. We sell more point. tickets at Yankee Stadium than the Yankees, okay? <laughs> right? They're like they're going up the R&B charts. I mean, it was a good idea to add Ernie into the band and yes. to add Chris. And well. a good a, a good example of Ernie shredding the guitar is on a song called Who's That Lady? Parts 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. And I I want to Side note, if you're looking at an Isley Brothers song and it's blah, 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 parts one and two, (laughs) 
that you know you're in for a great song right there because they only do that on great song. I don't know so why. True. It's so funny to me. Whenever I see a part one and part two, I'm like, it's got to be good. Hold on. It's got to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, Ernie, you know, shreds a guitar. And oh, it's yeah. really funny because Who's That Lady technically is a cover of their own song that yes. they had put out years before. Yes. And they put it out originally as it was more of like a more traditional like a R&B more you know doo-wop kind of song mm-hmm. but then they redo it now that they have these new additions to the band and it basically turns into like a psychedelic rock song now Absolutely. actually we did a reaction to this we did we um, did so you can hear us just talk a more couple about days that. ago yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so it's really crazy hearing you know Ernie just bringing this guitar bringing this new style into the band and kind of the energy and the new musical forms that are happening in the band because of that yeah and what's crazy about that is that Ernie started out as a drummer that's the instrument that he first went to and then while Jimmy used to be in their home in their living room Jimmy Hendrix by the way um used to be there practicing Ernie would have his social studies book and just go in the room with Jimmy and pretending he was studying social studies but he was really watching Jimmy and seeing what Jimmy picked up on and Jimmy actually suggested to Ernie that he not play the drums that he does play the guitar and the rest is all history uh Ernie Isley definitely my favorite R&B guitarist of all time and maybe yeah, we'll have a podcast good. on like R&B guitarists yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, Ernie is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And we'll put some, you know, examples of his playing here. Mm-hmm. Um, Ernie covering Jimmy uh, Purple Haze is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I, was, I just want to say, I just think it's really cool. Just like, again, this is another thing, like showing the influence of Jimi Hendrix of mm-hmm. like, and how cool it must have been for Ernie to like kind of like come up under him mm-hmm. and then now it's like he's really come on to his own to the point that his brothers are like hey hey little bro <laughs> you're invited to the band I mean, you're, you're killing it you know it's not just like a, oh yeah we'll let our brother come along it's like no you're really doing it yeah you know yeah so that must yeah. have been just really cool for him and I think for the older brothers too to see you know their little brother kind of come into his own like that yeah yeah that's something to be proud of for sure hell yeah um so they're doing a lot of big things in, in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know where to go from this. I mean, there's so much going on. What is the yeah. next thing you want to talk about? Well, they had a great reign in the early 70s because officially Ernie, Marvin, and Chris joined the band. Um, they have uh, the Brothers Isley, which has three great singles. Uh, they've gone up on the R&B charts given it back, established them firmly as a band. So they had songs come out like Love the One You're With. Love the One You're With. You got to love the one you with. Spill the wine. Spill the wine. Spill the wine. Lady, lady, lady. Lady, lady, lady. Those songs really went up the charts and were really, really rocking them. They had four hit singles with Pop That Thing. Pop That Thing. With Work To Do. with Brother, Brother, Brother. Brother, Brother, Brother. And then in like 1973, they're like two times certified platinum with those songs. And in 73, they sign with Epic Records. Oh God. So what's that? Five labels now? Yes. It's like five labels. I can't uh, can't even keep track. That label brought Who's That Lady in Summer Breeze. Summer Breeze, which was Summer a cover, mm-hmm. which I thought was originally their song. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I did. I That's never thought it was the the other guy. 
Yeah. Who is it? Is it Gordon Lightfoot? Uh, who sings that? I don't know. Isn't it like America or something? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so they're they're covering uh, a lot of songs now, like a lot of rock songs. Again, Ernie's coming in and kind of like injecting the rock right into the, their sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, they're starting to say things uh, more politically now. So 1974, as they're getting into the early 80s, they're going platinum and gold all over the place. So <laughs> <laughs> They're going platinum there. They're going gold there. They come out with Fight the Power. We gotta fight the power. Which was a statement of the day and, you know, later on covered by Public Enemy, another set of groups that really got influenced by them. But they also had great songs that we all know, like For the Love of You came in that era. Don't Say Goodnight. Don't Say Goodnight. Between the Sheets, which uh, Biggie uh, sampled and covered later on. And then towards that time, that's when they start having some financial and creative issues. Yeah, you know, there starts to be some tension. I feel like around this time, you know, now it's the late 70s and disco is kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. And everybody at this time was trying to get a little bit of money out of disco. I mean, <laughs> it was just like a, a cloud hanging over the whole industry. It's yeah. like, oh, if disco, you want to be popular? Got to make some disco. Yeah. But I feel like that's not really, that's not super authentic to them. Yeah. And I feel like there definitely was a little bit of tension. Yeah. And I mean, eventually, you know, there actually w- literally was a split in the band. Yeah. Where the newer members, um, Ernie, Marvin, and, and Chris Jasper, they left to form their own band, yeah. Isley Jasper Isley. Correct. Which I think is interesting because it's like what you're saying, you know, they were the three younger members that came in and kind of injected them with that sound. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that they had something great to bring to the table. And so I think it's kind of cool that they were able to do that and just kind of be like, okay, so we know that we can do something. Let's see if we could do something by ourselves and not with the older brothers that had already established themselves. Yeah. Which I, re- yeah, I respect that. I know? respect it, but I can also be a fly on the wall right now and kind of see how the arguments went in the studio. I can definitely see the new barking at the old saying yeah. like, well, we brought this in. You guys don't really know what you're doing. And right. well, we're going to go do something else on our yeah. own. Yeah. So, I mean, Isley, Jasper, Isley come out with a caravan of love. Join the which is a very interesting song for me. I've never heard, I haven't heard it in many, many years, but I definitely know at the end of the song, they're like, I'm your brother, <laughs> don't you know? I'm your brother, I'm your brother, don't you know? <laughs> I'm like, in case you forgot. <laughs> like, what? That's funny. Who are you talking to? Maybe a little to? subliminal messaging there. <laughs> but, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, they're still putting out music. And, you know, around this time, they're putting out such great music uh, between the sheets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Footsteps in the Dark. Oh, yeah, Footsteps was a good one. Uh, uh, Ron's wife, Angela, actually sang that song, too. And I think they remade it together. I I don't even know. But there are two versions of Footsteps. I like hers and his. Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately, as we go a little further into the 80s, um, some tragedy starts to strike again. Yeah. Um, March 31st, 1986, O'Kelly Jr. dies of a heart attack. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, from this point, you know, we look at the story and they kind of, the eyes just start kind of dropping out one yeah. by one. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they, but, you know, they've already, they've already completely established themselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that, you know, Rudolph leaves to join the ministry. Yes. And I also really respect that, too, because, you know, 
we're talking about the music industry. Mm-hmm. We're talking about people that have gained a lot of success in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's kind of like, look, we've done this. Yeah. Like, I know what this is. I'm a grown man now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've lived this life. I understand it. That's great. But I want to do something else. I want to do something maybe a little more spiritually fulfilling. You know what I mean? So for him to drop out of the band to be a minister, I mean, that that takes a lot of chutzpah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, do, I do really respect him doing that and he's still doing that no yes he is what do you think the conversation between rudolph and uh ronald went like he's like i'm growing tired of this oh don't you get tired of the ladies and ron's like i'll never get tired of the ladies man you know and then rudolph's like well i've got to go you know who gets tired of the ladies (laughs) jesus So yeah, that's the official story. I, I'm uh-huh. I'm gonna say the, don't don't listen to anybody else hear say anything about that story because this is the official version. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Rudolph left. So now you know they're down two Isleys. Yeah. Um, but the rest of them, Isley Jasper Isley, did return. Yes. Um, to the group. So well, you know, the two Isleys returned. Jasper. Oh yeah, did Jasper not. didn't. Sorry. <laughs> Ron was like, "Y'all could come back, but don't bring that one with you." <laughs> oh, just damn. kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't know what was said. I don't know what was said, but it, you know, I also want to say Chris Basher is an amazing keyboard player. Yes. And a yes. lot of the songs that we mentioned from the period where he was in the band, mm-hmm. his keyboard added a lot to the sound. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, post and pre Isley. He's great. Yes. Um, so they, the, all the Isleys reunited in 1990. Uh, they started making music again. Yeah. Um, in 96, they released Mission to Please. Uh-huh. But um, in 92, they were inducted into Rock and Roll Hall of oh, Fame. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it was Little Richard that inducted them into the Hall of Fame. Shout out. Um, shout out to him. That was a really good thing. Um, it was interesting to see Ernie say his thank yous and actually turn to the rest of the Isleys and was like, I am an Isley brother. I am. I am. So I don't know what was going on. That must have been some Isley Jasper. Oh, no. Yeah, it was very loaded the way Ernie accepts his award. But you could tell it was like... It was all love, but 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 there must have been some arguments in in there, like, right? You know, so yeah, so yeah, so ninety two they get that, um, and you said ninety six. In ninety six, they put out a new album, uh, Mission to Please. All right. Although by this time, it's really Ronald, Marvin, and Ernie, uh-huh. and not Marvin for too much longer because. Unfortunately, he got diabetes. Yes, and actually had both of his legs amputated. Yeah, that's which is wild. Really, really rough. That's yeah, that's hard sucks. to deal with. Um, uh, in '97, they are on the Hollywood Rock Walk of Fame, though, which is really cool. What else is coming down the line? I um, mean, at this point, and you know, we, it's funny when we talk about really big bands. I feel like at some point it just gets to the point where everybody knows they're great. They've proven themselves. Every time they put something out, it's going to sell well and yeah. it's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of like the point we're, we're really reaching here. Yeah. Because I feel like at this point, I just have a list of albums that they put out in the 2000s. I, I just have lists of achievements. I've got <laughs> Shout and Twist the yeah. Shout goes into the Music Hall of Fame in 1999. And they go into the Vocal Hall of Fame in 2003. They get their Grammy Lifetime Achievement Awards in 2014. And the Isley Brothers catalog is more sampled than James Brown's catalog catalog yeah i mean well that's something else that we should talk about is that you know part of the reason that the isley brothers were able to transcend so many generations mm-hmm. is because so many hip-hop artists use their beats in so many giant songs yeah i mean we talked about you know biggie using their songs mm-hmm. uh ice cube has sampled his song and salt that's and pepper public enemy pepper, uh, public enemy but i'm saying like for me like it's crazy because I've heard a lot of I heard a lot of those you know those rap songs first. Okay. 
before I knew the Isley Brothers by themselves. Okay. So for me, it was, it's almost like hearing the Isley Brothers is nostalgic to me because it reminds me of the rap songs that I knew first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's really crazy. Like back in the day, I used to really love figuring out like what song sample what. Yeah. And I want to shout this out. There was a website, I think it's still around, called whosampled.com. Uh-huh. And you could literally type in like any rap song and it'll tell you all the samples that were used in that song mm-hmm. with like clips of the samples. Yeah. And I remember doing that and just finding, you know, like I'm looking up Ice Cube song, I'm looking up Biggie songs. I'm just like, whoa, look at the Isley Brothers are doing all of these beats. They're everywhere. So many of these beats that I know and love were taken from Isley Brothers songs. Yeah, yeah. What I love about the Isley Brothers is like, I mean, I've definitely didn't like listen to them when they were out out but as a child like in the 80s and in the 90s like my sister used to fall asleep with the radio my dad used to babysit us with the radio like mm-hmm. it would just turn on the radio so they would play r&b songs late at night and stuff so you can hear any r&b song from like the late 60s into like the 80s and 90s at that time and like i would hear certain isley brothers songs like voyage to atlantis Like I first heard that I was like a teenager in high school, you know, and I just that one woke me out of my sleep. Yeah. Must have been Ernie's guitar. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And, and, you know, it's just like beautiful music that just has always been around you. But some songs you never knew were them. Right. And some exactly. you do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're into the 2000s. Uh-huh. They keep putting out music. I'm going to list off some of their albums. Uh, in 2001, they put out Eternal. Mm-hmm. In 2003, they put out Body Kiss. Ooh. And in 2006, they put, this just makes me laugh. They put out baby making music. That's right. Because none of their other songs were baby making music. Hey, shout out in the comments if you were made to an Isley Brothers song. Or if you conceived somebody to an Isley Brothers song. <laughs> that would be what great. Song and what year? I mean, we do have to mention that little tenure that uh, Ron played Mr. Big with a certain person named Robert Kelly. Might be off limits for some of you guys. But there was a whole long period where he played a... A, a, a character. A, a character named Mr. Big, who was like a top dog. And uh, R. Kelly was the character that was trying to sleep with Mr. Big's girls all the time or have an affair with them all the time. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! God. Oh, God. Oh, but, God. um... I was there for just like the first installment of this whole Mr. Big um, tenure where like they brought Angela Winbush in. They brought little Kim in with a little bit, too. She was like, it it was bad enough that Mr. Biggs had his main lady, but then they had little Kim playing as the side lady as well. And they're both fighting over Mr. Biggs. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's the coolest thing ever. It's so funny. Because it was just cool to see Ron Isley. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. But we were just happy to see Ron. Like, you know what I'm saying? He looked great. He had a cane. Like, it was just awesome. Yeah. Looked great in cane just sounds weird, but he looked great. He had a cane. <laughs> Everything's great. <laughs> Everything's going really well for them at this time. Um but yeah, so at this point really it's and really to this day, it's really just Ronald and Ernie at this point. Yeah. Because everybody's, you know, up everybody's going through things. I mean, uh Marvin died in two thousand ten. Yeah. Um, and also around this time, Ronald was convicted of tax evasion. Mm-hmm. Gotta evade those taxes. You got. Uh, you can only evade them for so long. <laughs> um, Can't catch me. So oh, I think I think he served like a reduced sentence or something. He was on house arrest for most of it. Because yeah. how, how are you going to hold the eyes? Exactly. I mean, Just have him sign some records, judge, and give him his free time. Was uh, you know what his tenure like was in jail? Speaking of tenures, Mr. Biggs, his tenure in jail was probably like Goodfellas. <laughs> he chopped the onions real thin. <laughs> Or was it the garlic? The garlic with Shit. the razor. Oh, I messed it up. I'm, <laughs> I 
fucked it up. I'm sorry, guys. Um, maybe he only liked onions, though. Maybe he didn't like garlic. Maybe? Yeah, maybe he, he did onions. Onions was his thing. Exactly. He's from it's Cincinnati. His thing. Yeah, it's more like a cheesesteak kind of place. So I'm going to sure, say onions sure. over garlic. I don't know. I've never been to Cincinnati. But <laughs> shout out to Cincinnati, home of the Isleys. Birthplace of the Isleys. Um, yeah, so I mean, as far as like the career arc, I mean, they pretty much done everything like they've established themselves oh yeah i mean you know all these all these like small all these tragedies are happening i want to say i don't want to say small tragedies we're listing them off it's a lot of things but yeah. i mean multiple people died there was jail time They're, these are not good things no um but they didn't really get together again until pr- a lot later like 2017 yeah and it was actually because of a man you may have heard of named carlos santana mm-hmm um, he actually ended up like j- him and his wife, Sydney Blackman Santana, who's a great drummer. Yeah. Um, he, they ended up all like jamming together and they ended up recording an album, um, called power of peace. Um, uh, that was just like a collab album of like, you know, covering classic songs, uh-huh. um, which is really cool. That came out in 2017 right. and it's just really cool hearing that, you know, they do a lot of classic like soul songs, R and B songs, and it's just great hearing Carlos in it, hearing mm-hmm. Ernie in it, hearing Ronald in it, and they clearly were just having a great time just hanging out with all of this, these amazing musicians, you know? Sounds very amazing. In uh, 2020, or 2021, they did Versus. Oh, yeah. With Earth, Wind, and Fire, which was pretty cool. It was a tune-for-tune kind of thing, all love in between. So that was great to see them come out and do that mm-hmm. while we were trapped in our homes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so here we are. You know, it's still Ernie... And Ronald as the official Isley Brothers. Yeah. And they've just com- cemented themselves as a complete legends in music history. Not only American music, just really history, yeah. h- music history around the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to find somebody, it's hard to find anybody that's not influenced by them just a little bit, even if they don't know. Because mm-hmm. like we were said, they had so many songs, you don't even realize they're their songs sometimes. It's so true. And you might hear, you know, you might hear Twist and Shout, Shout by the Beatles and think it's a Beatles song. No, it's an Isley Brothers song. Mm-hmm. So I feel like their influence goes so much deeper than people even realize that know they're influenced by them, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. So, I don't know. It's almost hard to explain how big of a deal they are. They're too big of a deal. Too you know? big for you to know. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Is there anything else that we should really say? I mean, they're, they're, they're just absolute legends. Just legends in the game. Ron has the most amazing eyebrows. He has amazing eyebrows and an amazing voice. Oh, we didn't really talk about Ron's voice. Oh, his vocal range. I mean, I don't know what octaves uh, Ron goes up to, but I just love his ability to, uh, perform that falsetto. Yes. Yeah. Where it almost feels like, you know, it's like, it's not real in a way. It's. It just feels like it's so easy to him. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I it's was such gonna... a distinct sound. It's just like nobody else makes that sound. Nobody else goes as high and low and pauses when he does. It's. It's really a character, but not in an insulting way. It's just like it's like it's shocking in a way how like only one person has like cemented that sound like yeah you can play it anywhere and, and you just know it's him yeah it's just always crazy to me listening to it how he can just go from like a rel you know like his normal range and like hitting a melody here and then just throw in like one or two falsetto notes mm-hmm. so much higher than mm-hmm. the rest of the melody but it's just very smooth like it doesn't it never sounds like he's reaching it never sounds like he's doing it just to do it it just mm-hmm. say it just feels like that's naturally the only way that he could sing it yeah you know what i mean yeah what's your favorite falsetto moment do you have one Oh my god, I don't, I don't know. What would you? What? There's just so many. <laughs> I don't know. I have um. I like don't say goodnight. <laughs> and he's like. 
<laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like any any song I'm listening to at that time could be my favorite falsetto moment. I feel you, you know on that. I mean? When people like, ask me what's my favorite song, what's my favorite lyric, and all that stuff, I'm like, today. I don't. Yeah, it's like right today now. It is. I don't know. It's true. It's true. I do that as well. Well, well, saying that, I'm curious for you guys. What's your favorite like Isley's song? What's your favorite Isley's moment? Uh huh. You know, what's your favorite Isley's era of album? True. You know what I mean? Like. You know, we we do this podcast as a conversation between us, yeah. but we like it to be a conversation with as many people as possible. I mean, like, if you're oh, listening, yeah. if you want to, you know, add your, your two cents, please comment, please review, please say, you know, anything that we missed. You know, For we sure. really want to hear about it. And, you know, if you're watching this, you're probably a big fan of the Isleys. Mm-hmm. So we would like to hear what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else that we should cover? I got nothing. Hell yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the Isleys, always making amazing music. Hell yeah. Um, shout out to all of you guys for being here. We appreciate you. This has been another episode of Music Maniacs with Side After Dark. And we will be back in the near future talking about music. We don't know what the next episode is going to be yet, but it'll be great. And you should check it out. And that's all I'm going to say about it. See you then. <laughs> so until next time, we're Side After Dark. We'll see you around.